Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. Whenever you hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome to this Wednesday, May 17th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin, happy to have you with us. Show brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons of Family Owned Full Service Funeral Home. That has probably served our area since 1880. Uh, 12.15, we'll be joined on the show by the Athletic Director, Vice President for Athletics at Shepherd University, Chauncey Wimbush. Some fundraising things going on at, at Shepherd, And uh, kind of check in on the on the state of Shepherd Athletics here as we enter the summer as the spring sports are finishing up and uh, they're preparing for the fall seasons. Uh, that will get underway, obviously, later this summer. But first, guys, let's uh, let's kind of recap our interview yesterday that we had on the show with uh, returning head football coach to Martinsburg High School, David Walker, and then uh, assistant turned head coach now back to assistant Britt Sherman. Uh, you know, we've got you know just a few minutes to discuss this. We'll get into EPAC baseball and softball. There's the regional or the sectional and regional in the twelve thirty segment. Uh, but uh, you know, yesterday's interview, fifteen minute interview, we learned a lot, guys. Yeah, we did. I think the thing that kind of stands out to me is not so much what we learned, uh, because ultimately, I mean, Coach Walker's coming back. It makes sense that if he were to come back, Coach Sherman's going to step aside and go back into an assistant role. But I think now the expectations, if they weren't already high at Martinsburg, they're going to be even higher with Coach Walker returning. I mean, he's on a win streak of, what is it, like 56 games or something? I mean, so... Uh, you know, you know, he's he's certainly coming back and I think the expectation is already state championship for this team. It's it's even higher now with Coach Walker returning, uh, which, you know, puts a lot of attention on the program that already is the most I guess attention heavy program in the area and in the state. I mean, it's Martinsburg football, you know, it's it's the premier program in high school football in the state over the last decade or so and with coach walker returning it, it sets up for an even interest even more interesting year because obviously you know there's the new transfer role where kids can come in and uh not that coaches can recruit but i mean seeing coach walker returning that might lead some names to decide to head to martinsburg to play so and i think he made a great statement on that he said you know he's kind of in favor of that because if he doesn't want players playing for him that don't want to play for him. And I think that that's a good, you know, if people don't want to play for him, then they don't want to play for him. They can go somewhere else. Right. And, I mean, it makes sense. And, you know, a high school coach, I mean, obviously you want to coach, you know, all the kids in the school and, and have success with them, but you also don't need them to be there if they don't want to be there. So, um, ultimately, it's interesting. I think – like we said, the expectations are already high at Martinsburg, but with this news breaking and it kind of being now big news across the state, you know, for a while there was just kind of a rumor going around here. I don't know if the other areas of the state even really considered that Coach Walker was coming back, but yeah. obviously we knew that there was a possibility and it was a lot of talk around here, and now it's going to be a lot of talk across the state. So I think that's kind of interesting to see, uh, but, you know, ultimately I think we did – learn a lot and it was it was nice to 
meet Coach Walker for the first time and, and see what he's going to bring back to Martinsburg. And, you know, the pressure coming off of a, a down year kind of for Martinsburg standards, I mean, still a great season, but, uh, you know, now the expectation is undefeated and a state championship, which it already kind of was, but I think it gets elevated with Coach Walker returning. I liked learning just how much of a family aspect that they try to invoke into that program and that it's not about personal pride. It's not about ego. And we learned that both about Coach Walker and about Coach Sherman and starting with Coach Walker in that aspect. You heard him say it yesterday during the interview that it, it didn't seem like a step up or a step back now from the move to Concord and then back here to Martinsburg. It was just because of how much he loves this area, how much he missed this area, and how much of a family environment it was for him. It, being a D2 coach, he said, wasn't something that he needed for an ego issue or a label and trying to improve his status. It was just a new challenge, and he felt like he accomplished that challenge. And then on the other side for Coach Sherman, it, it takes a lot for you as a human being just being named the head coach, having success as the head coach as well, learning from Coach Walker to put potentially that pride in the back of your mind aside and realizing that the ultimate goal is to benefit the kids and allow yourself to step aside for the opportunity for Walker to come back. Yeah, and I think, you know, I had kind of talked about with, with Athletic Director Davis Moore. You were in here on Friday, Friday I believe. Friday. Yes. Yeah. When we were trying to set up the interview and, you know, I said, we'd like to have coach Sherman on because, you know, from what we understand at that understood at that point, he was still going to remain on the team or remain coaching the team. And, you know, I texted him yesterday, thanking him for coming on. He said, it was good to get it out. He's not good at holding stuff back. And I don't blame him for that. Cause I'm right along that I'm, you know, right along there with him because, you know, like we've had indications that this was going to happen for a while. But nothing was official, so we couldn't really talk about it. Even though it was the talk of the town. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think yesterday was a good interview. And, I, you know, I think also learning about the aspects of Concord that were part of the reason that Coach Walker wanted to exit Concord was interesting. And it makes sense. I mean, like just the rising cost of tuition and not getting those scholarships because you're in D2. I think that's a, probably a big aspect, and he said it was a big aspect, but I think that's a huge aspect to it all, is the fact that it's hard to recruit already at Division Two, but it's harder to recruit when you your scholarships are being lowered because the cost of tuition is being raised. Yeah, especially, you know, you're not even the biggest or best D2 football program in the state. I mean, Shepard obviously is that, so... You know, you're, you're already Shepherd kind of limited. And, with that. Yeah, I mean, Shepard's limited. We know that. We know that, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about that on the other side of this break yeah <laughs> great transition there segment sponsored in part by hagerstown ford revolutionizing the car buying experience go to hagerstownford.com for more on the side of this break we'll be joined by shepherd vice president for athletics chauncey winbush or tune in the sports mix on talk rated wrnr and tv 10 back in two minutes
This is Eric at Hagerstown Ford. Over the last decade, the way we buy things have evolved. Now, you get on your phone, click Want It, and it shows up at your front door. At Hagerstown Ford, it is that convenient. We've changed the car buying experience on the I-81 corridor forever. And with a return policy better than Walmart, there's absolutely no reason to buy a new or used car, truck, or SUV anywhere else. Just like Amazon, Hagerstown Ford will deliver the vehicle to you, where you are and on your time. And if you don't want it, return it, no questions asked. Why waste your time at a car dealership playing the dumb back and forth games? Besides, we hate it more than you do. I assure you, no dealership from Winchester, Virginia to Washington, D.C. will beat our price. No dealership from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania to Baltimore, Maryland will beat our price. And no other dealership will allow you to return it if you don't want it. Hagerstown Ford absolutely provides the best experience at the best price. Visit HagerstownFord.com to schedule your VIP experience. Click on the vehicle you want and get your new ride delivered to you at no risk. See dealer for details. Radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer deaths in the United States year. But do you know the radon levels in your home? Home is a place to live, love, and laugh, not a place to breathe air containing radon. The Berkeley and Morgan County Health Departments are distributing free confidential radon test kits, and you can get yours at the Berkeley County Health Department office in Martinsburg and the Morgan County Health Department office in Berkeley Springs. Protect your home and family. Get your free radon test kit today. There's a local family moving in our territory. What do you want from me? Taste it. It's really good. Mm. We're going through the mattresses. It's not personal. It's strictly business. Leave the guns. Take the pizza. Rocks, now serving hot, fresh pizza to die for. Ow, that really hurt. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you for your May 17th. 2023. We're now joined on the phone by the Vice President for Athletics at Shepherd University, Chauncey Wimbush. How are you doing today, Chauncey? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing great as well. And a lot of things going on in the kind of the fundraising arm of Shepherd over the next little bit. Uh, one thing we found a sneak peek on social media a few weeks ago was uh, the fundraising to get a new scoreboard in the name of a, a big fan that, that uh, unfortunately passed away recently. Yeah, uh, Sarah Lewick, for those that um, have been around Jefferson County for the last, you know, five decades, she was an amazing woman and someone who was just so supportive of uh, Shepherd University and specifically our athletic program. So we thought, you know, something to memorialize her like this, a scoreboard, her and, you know, obviously Al would be um, a great project to um, put forward to the community and see if we could raise some funds for. So how can people help this scoreboard become a reality at Ram Stadium? Yeah, so we are, again, trying to raise funds. Um, the Shepherd University Athletic Club, we have a webpage, um, suathleticclub.org. If you were to go to that page and click on current fundraisers, you would see the Allen and Sarah Lewick scoreboard. So you can obviously go there um, to donate. Um, we're also uh, 
working on different corporate sponsorships as well. On the board, there would be opportunities for static advertising. So, you know, I think that's one of the great um, parts of this whole process that it would give Shepherd University Athletics another asset that we could potentially use to raise funds in support of our athletic program. Chauncey, what is the goal for this fundraiser, and is there a time frame that it needs to be done by? Yeah, so we have raised about $130,000. Uh, the goal is $300,000. Um, you know, probably over the next few weeks is is when we need to have those funds secured one way or another. Uh, the goal is to have the board in by our first home football game on September 2nd. So the clock is ticking and, you know, kind of time is running out to an extent. But, you know, that's kind of where we are right now. So in replacing the scoreboard there, would you place it exactly where the old one is or move it to a different location in the stadium? Yeah, we're, we're still kind of bound by the, the perfect spot for, for the board. Um, so obviously, you know, on top of Boone Fieldhouse is, is one, uh, one place that we could put it. I think the concern there is, you know, we're hoping to uh, do some renovations down the road to Boone Fieldhouse. So we would be concerned about, um, you know, having to deal with the scoreboard and, and all of that stuff. On the opposite end of the field, um, kind of where those, those trees are on the other side, if you will, is probably the ideal um, spot for, for the board. It would give everybody inside the stadium, you know, a pretty solid view um, of the new scoreboard. And again, this is going to be, you know, an LED board. So we, you know, are excited about the potential for, you know, replays and, you know, some interactive stuff with, with the crowd and, you know, all, all of the good things that come along with that type of technology. And Chauncey, uh, you know, scoreboards in college football are becoming a recruiting tool. I know Marshall is getting a new scoreboard. Theirs is going to be, I think, $1.2 million, which seems, you know, crazy to a lot of people down there. Uh, but... For D2 level and for you guys, how do you think it will help in the recruiting aspect as well to get a new scoreboard? Um, you know, I, I think that our stadium is, you know, a really great facility, you know, in comparison to, you know, the other institutions within our, our region. You know, I think our, our, our facility is right there. I think the one thing that we're absolutely missing is is a scoreboard. So, you know, to be able to utilize that, you know, and enhance the environment from a game day standpoint is, you know, really the goal after all. And then from a recruiting standpoint, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of the high schools that we are recruiting student athletes from you know they probably have some decent boards as well so we just want to make sure that we're putting ourselves on par with you know the type of kids that we're recruiting and certainly on par with you know our opponents uh, and competitors within the region chauncey going to switch over to some improvements for uh soccer now and get your comments about that yeah so we have a, a smaller uh, fundraiser going on. It's a $50,000 fundraiser that would um, allow us to bring some backstop netting um, to the to the stadium, some covered benches. The covered benches is something that is you know kind of status quo at a lot of institutions and a lot of a lot of fields. Uh, that certainly would help with weather, whether it be rain or, or sun and, and things of that nature. And then just some branding around the, the perimeter of the facility. So, again, that's a $60,000 project that we're attempting to raise dollars for in support of our men's and women's soccer programs.
And Chauncey, we've basically finished the 2022-2023 you know, athletic year. Uh, what's kind of the state of Shepherd Athletics heading into this next school year? Yeah, so we um, are obviously excited about, you know, everything that's been going on, you know, from a a football standpoint with, you know, Tyson and and Joey and Ronnie and and Brian. And um, we're hopefully feeding off of that from a recruiting standpoint with regards to football. Um, All of our other sports are doing a a really solid job from a recruiting standpoint. We have a lot of new student athletes that will be coming in, whether it be freshmen or transfers, to, you know, hopefully help enhance what we're doing from a soccer standpoint, from a volleyball standpoint, from, you know, men's and women's hoops, you know, baseball and softball. So, you know, we're always optimistic. We think we have a really great product here, a great location. And, you know, I know our coaches are out doing what they can to make sure that they're bringing in quality student athletes to to help us continue with the success we we're used to. And then uh, I know the Hall of Fame nominations are going on right now for the Shepherd Athletics Hall of Fame. How can people, I guess, nominate or, or how's that process working? Yeah, so on our website, uh, shepherdrams.com, you can find the Hall of Fame nomination form, and it's a you know a two-page application where you you know document um, all the pertinent information uh, for whomever you may be nominating. Um, you got to you know grab a couple of references, I think three references, if you will, and you know forward that over to Trip Ranson, our sports information director. Uh, a couple of couple of weeks into June, the Hall of Fame committee will sit down and we'll take a look at you know the list of uh, nominees and you know we, we um, will we'll put three four or five folks that are deserving to to be honored in that way so that's always something uh, that's really interesting that we get to do in the summertime as well and during the summertime and even the springtime right now it's a big time of the year for golf tournaments going on with different programs and i know that your guys's is also coming up so give us the details on your guys's upcoming golf tournament yeah, so uh, on June 2nd, Friday, June 2nd at Crest Creek, we're actually hosting a two-person scramble, and the proceeds from that golf tournament will be um, supporting our men's and women's golf programs. And then we'll also, a couple of weeks later, have our annual football golf tournament, and that would be on Friday, June 16th. That's a, tra- a traditional four-person scramble, and again, you know, the proceeds for that uh, will will go to support the football program. So, you know, we are very busy with you know trying to raise some funds and put together some some golf tournaments over the next next month or so. So that's certainly keeping us busy right now. And you kind of talk about the what we've seen, you know, the national spotlight that Tyson and Joey and Ronnie and uh, Brian have brought. But uh, on the baseball side of things, Brenton Doyle making it up to the majors and having, you know, having some success early, that's probably brought some shine to the baseball program as well. Absolutely amazing. Um, I obviously had an opportunity to to be around Britain um, for a few years. I think he's five years or so removed from the program. And, you know, that's, you know, sometimes that's how long it takes for you to kind of rise to the, the the minor leagues and get to the get the call to the big leagues. And you know, we couldn't be any more uh, proud of Brenton and the way that he's representing Shepherd University baseball. You know, I know uh, Coach McCarty and Coach Smith; they've been to a couple of games already. When I think they went to uh, 
Cleveland and they've been up to Pittsburgh to, to check them out. And it's, it's just really, really awesome. So to, again, to continue to have some success on the professional level for, you know, student athletes that attended, you know, Shepherd university is, is just amazing. And Chauncey, is there anything else that we missed that you'd like the audience to know? Um, you know, outside of all these great um, opportunities to support Shepherd Athletics, there's another event that we'll be having um, late summer. It's called uh, the Ram Fest, and it's a, an event that is co-sponsored by the Shepherd University Athletic Club and the Rotary Club of Shepherdstown. We come together for an evening event on August 25th, which is also a Friday. Um, it's held at the Bavarian Inn. It brings together, you know, Shepherd Athletics. Um, Rotarians, local businesses, um, the, the SUAC as well for just a really, really neat event. Great food, great beverages, and again, an opportunity to, to continue to support uh, the Shepherd University Athletic uh, Department. Chauncey Wimbush, our guest. Chauncey, thanks for the time, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. That was the Shepherd Vice President for Athletics, Chauncey Wimbush. As a lot of things get, as the sports seasons come to an end, guys, a lot of things still going on. A busy summer for the Shepherd Athletic Department. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun because after huge year's success, you want that to continue. I was going to joke: Does Tyson Bagent have to fill out a form to be nominated? Or well, he's does got, somebody have to nominate Tyson Bajan? He's got. So I read this thing on there because when it came out, I was like, I wonder how long it would take for Tyson to get in. You have to be an alumni for ten years. You have to be out of the program for 10 years. They might want to fix that rule. Maybe put Tyson in. Maybe the Tyson Bajan exception. The Joey yeah. Fisher exception. The I mean, Ronnie Brown exception. They'll go in at some yeah, point. they will. And, you know, whatever the rule is, the rule is, I guess. But. Yeah. There's probably a lot of other people that need to go in before them as well. Don't yeah. want to forget those people that I were mean, important to Shepherd Athletics. For sure. All right, that'll and do Doyle. it. Doyle. <laughs> yeah. Brent Doyle in there as well. That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store. Not just an appliance store any longer. You can buy your Traeger Grills at Orsini's, <coughs> excuse me, at 360 Hack Wilson Way or online at Orsini's.com. We'll be back after this two-minute break. We'll talk the regionals and sectionals for baseball and softball. You're tuning in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Really? experience everything you need for epic flavor and then some shop now and save at orsini's today april is national donate life month wvu medicine is joining the effort to raise awareness for organ donation did you know that more than 100,000 people are waiting for life-saving organ transplants one donor can save up to nine people through organ donation provide sight for two people through cornea donation and restore health for more than 150 people through tissue donation join wvu medicine and help spread awareness about the gift of donation and if you haven't registered visit registerme.org Ever try to collect on an insurance claim? Perhaps a homeowner's claim, auto accident, or fire? Insurance companies collect money from you for protection if that happen. And when it does, they don't want to pay or they offer too little. At Mansion Ferretti, we have an attorney who worked defending insurance companies and knows all the dirty tricks they play to deny or lowball your claim. Call us today for help in getting what you really deserve. Mansion Ferretti. 
when you need justice. Shenandoah Community Health continues to offer COVID vaccinations and clinics each Saturday throughout the Martinsburg and Winchester areas. The COVID vaccinations and boosters are free to anybody age 12 and up. To find out more, call 304-263-4999 or visit Shenandoah Community Health's website. Get your COVID vaccination or booster free to anybody age 12 and up at any of the Saturday clinics hosted by Shenandoah Community Health in the Martinsburg and Winchester areas. Call 304-263-4999 today. Now, back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin, happy to have you with us. We'll now talk uh, baseball and softball. We'll start first with EPAC sectional section one championship last night and uh, an all-time classic, Nick. Yeah, one of the best, if not the best, high school baseball game I've seen. Uh, You know, uh, three home runs between the two teams. I don't think you see that very often in high school. Uh, definitely, I think the best game of the year, and then a walk off, you know, hit by Lane DeLauder, who isn't known as a hitter, and he hasn't really hit that much uh, here in a while. And he comes in, gets the uh, you know the walk off single there to win the game after Chris French comes through with a great double. Two great teams. Um, first of all, you know, congratulations to both these teams for giving us such a yeah you know great sanctional tournament. Uh, and some great games, but I mean that last night was you know truly I think the full showcase of those teams' talents. Here you uh, want to you know the starting pitching didn't necessarily yeah. pitch great, but uh, the guys coming in relief, Jackson rested his job. Musman's relievers came in and it pitched well as well. So game had a little bit of everything: great pitching moments, great defensive moments, and uh, great hitting as well. Here's Lane DeLauder's walk-off single. The 0-1 with two down, a runner on second in French. The pitch from Boer, lined in the left field. That's down for a base hit. French is rounding third, and the Eagles walk it off and win the Region 2 Section 1 championship over Musselman on the lane to water. Walk-off single. French coming around to score from second. Two big things you mentioned there. Chris French. Uh... You know, we you heard from uh, Coach Grove. I'll try to pull that up here, maybe. Uh, but we had some problems last night on the broadcast. I don't know what actually went out there, but you know, he's a guy that you know. You mentioned this to me, Nick, when I was heading down there. He was a guy that was DH for this season, yeah, a bunch. Getting the year, he wasn't really getting a ton of at bats, uh, but slowly but surely, you know, he got more and more at bats and was very productive for this team and. You can make the argument that Chris French could be the all EPAC second baseman if you're just choosing, you know, by position yeah. for the starting spot, uh, based on you know the final season that he did or the final numbers that he did have this year. But I think it was big when he we talked when I talked to Coach Grove about it. He said he's a guy that stuck with the program, uh, that when he was a sophomore and a lot of his guys were getting that a lot of his friends were getting the call up to varsity, he didn't, but he stuck around and uh, you know, he Continue to work this season, getting out of being DH'd for, and then has a big double to set up the uh, lane to water RBI single in lane to water. That's a big thing all in itself for him to come up and pinch hit because really I, I want to say minus maybe one or two appearances ever since Myrtle Beach, he's really been a PO. 
And you heard Coach Grove talk about it after his outing in Myrtle Beach that maybe he just needs to be a PO because he was taking his at bats to the to the mound. So it was yeah, really he, good. He never gave up because no, you heard that's in what the I'm saying I, afterwards I, that he was still in the cage yeah. practicing, not just wanting to be a PO, even though he was comfortable in that position. He still was in the batting cage daily working on his plate approach and the at-bats, and ultimately that paid off and gave him the chance to go out there for that walk-off opportunity. And for Hedgesville, he delivered. So give them a lot of credit and give Coach uh, Grove a lot of credit too. After that loss to Musselman, you saw a change in the approach and the strategy of, all right, Musselman, and, and we've said this all year long, probably had the most firepower offensively in the EPAC, and the only way to beat them was to fight fire with fire, and that's kind of the change that Hedgesville decided to do. We saw in their lineup, instead of really wanting to go out there and have a defensive lineup, they went out and one through nine, they wanted to be an offensive attack through and through, and in those two wins, you saw exactly that, a total of 20 runs and I believe uh, Tripp said last night 15 hits combined in the two games if not more so it, it got to give credit to where credit's due on Coach Grove and that strategy change that paid off for them to be the section champions. I also think you got to you know Jackson Ruess came out and had a gutsy performance on the mound because Tanner Matthew as you heard Coach Grove say just didn't really have his stuff hitting where he wanted it to hit last night unfortunately he gets pulled after two innings uh, two and some change and Jackson Rest comes on five innings, three hits, two runs, none earned, one walk, striking out five and getting out of two big jams. I think, too, the difference last night was the six through nine Yeah, for both teams. Musselman's six through nine combines for just one hit. Hedgesville has all those guys producing, getting hits, getting on base, and contributing. And, you know, in a game like that where it was pretty back and forth, both teams' first five batters are – really the the stars of the team the the guys that have the power that's where all the home runs came from last night but the six for nine for Musselman really wasn't very productive this Hedgesville six for nine turned the lineup over got hits got RBIs the last run coming from the ninth spot with Lane DeLauter pinch hitting um so to see a performance like that I think Hedgesville right now heads into this regional championship with the most complete team can they finish it off against Jefferson you know, that's tough to say. I mean, Jefferson still has John Lowry senior coaching, so it almost feels like, it's like a wild they always have the edge. And they yeah. have a lot of rest now. Yeah, they do. To and you would anticipate, you know, I would anticipate maybe Thursday, Friday. I mean, I haven't, it's not on their game changer, but you would maybe anticipate Thursday, tomorrow, if not tonight. Maybe they're just going to do inner squads all week because they have the ability to, but you yeah, would they think could, they could get maybe, a game. Yeah, but it's not, I was, that's what I was going to say was, you know, they have the ability to have a game because. Uh, they, I think they only played 30 games on the season, and you have that 32-game limit, and you know you could use one of those the week between sectionals and regionals. I don't think Hedgesville does that only because they played until Tuesday. I think they probably will. I don't know. I, they I don't won't use one it. of their top pitchers, but I think they'll probably get a game in. Yeah, just for the hitting aspect, maybe. Yeah, just see different guys, see different pitchers, and, and make sure your guys are still hitting at a hot street because right now i mean they're rolling everybody's hitting in the lineup you don't want to take a bunch of days off and then come out and face live pitching against a different opponent and 
not have your hitting there against a team that we already know can shut you down. I mean, yeah. Jefferson has below a two-team ERA. So, uh, you know, I kind of wonder on how this plays out because Hedgesville has the momentum right now. I think they played it in the tougher section. Um, even though they had to play more games – you know, I think that prepares you for a situation. Jefferson kind of just cruised through those first or just cruised through two games to get to this point. And, you know, it, it's tough to say, though, because Jefferson does have Lowry. They do have, you know, good pitching, good defense. I don't know if they have the lineup that Hedgesville has, but it seems like Hedgesville has everything clicking for them at the right point. And you did see the adjustments they made throughout this sectional tournament. They started off, their offense was not there in those first two games. Last three games, all pretty good offensive performances, two great performances here in these last two. So, you know, Hedgesville's kind of playing the better baseball right now, but Jefferson has a good team. And I don't want to take anything away from what they accomplished, but overall, you look at the, the road Hedgesville had to go on, they were kind of battle-tested. And I think in a regional series with a pretty even matchup, you're going to get tested. Who responds here in the regional will be really interesting. Hedgesville, we already know, is built to respond to these challenges. Jefferson, we think they are, but we haven't really seen it. So how do they respond here in a, in a playoff atmosphere if they were to get down in the series or whatever the case may be? So I'm very excited for this regional. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, and it appears, you know, Hedgesville, you know, minus the sickness they had the other day, they're pretty much unscathed when it comes to injuries. And obviously, you know, with the rest Jefferson's had, we would presume the same. So it's going to be definitely an intriguing series. I believe begins next Monday uh, at 6 p.m. at uh, Sager Field, which we'll be there for. Uh, but guys uh, – I think that overall, you know, I think that the season is playing out right now the way that the sectional voting had shown. Yeah. I mean, Musselman, you know, first of all, I think they had a great run as well. They had a great team. Um, And these two teams were pretty evenly matched. I think you throw Martinsburg in that conversation as well. They weren't too far behind. But, I mean, I see Martinsburg as Hedgesville last year. Unfortunately, they just didn't make it to the sectional finals uh, just because Hedgesville was a younger team last year. They yeah. had a lot of juniors. They only lost a couple guys, and then they, their culmination was this year. The difference is though, that you could have made the argument for Martinsburg as a one this year. I don't think you could have made the argument for Hedgesville as a one in the section last year. I think the section's yeah. overall better this year than last year, um, even though you know Martinsburg and Musselman were both very good. For Musselman, you know, it's back-to-back now tough losses in these sectional championships. The way last year's ended with the wild – play at the end which gave them a chance and then they still ended up coming up short and then this year uh you know another tough loss so you know they're a great team but it's always hard i think when these when we get to the postseason we see these teams lose just because you feel for the seniors and how much they put in and uh you know how talented they are you know it's it's for every team that loses you know it always is it's tough to see that you know these are the last time you're going to see some of these guys play for uh, any of these teams so just looking forward to a great regional though i think it's the two best teams at this point of the year playing against each other yeah and talk about the two best teams we'll move over to the softball regional which we were you know hoping to be there for but unfortunately with the rain saturday moving the game to monday to the second game in this in the sectional championship being yesterday we couldn't go couldn't do be in two places at once uh, but that uh, regionals region two championship series between Edgesville and Jefferson and softball was definitely as advertised yesterday. It was a five nothing lead for Hedgesville going into the bottom of the fourth inning. 
and then a seven-run frame. Uh, Taylor Presley had a grand slam in the inning to open things up. Uh, then Jefferson would to- score a total of 10 unanswered runs and win 10-5 to to take the one nothing series lead. Colin, you'll be on the call tonight for Game 2 of the Regional Championship. Um, you obviously looked at Game Changer. We weren't there, but you got a chance to you know look up and down the Game Changer of, of that game last night. What were your impressions, what you could see from Game Changer? It, it was a lot like the first game last year, where it was a slow start for Jefferson. Hedgesville was hanging around, and this year they had the 5 nothing lead, and in the back of your mind, you knew it's only a matter of time before Jefferson's offense explodes. But at the same time, you're like, maybe a miracle's about to happen and Hedgesville is going to pull this one off and give them credit for fighting hard. It's a regional championship game. They still brought out their uh, A game and it just wasn't enough. They let it slip and now they have to refocus, come home and try to defend this region and force a game three at home i was looking at that game changer and it might be a different approach i think if both teams decide to have a different approach in pitching i know hedgesville a lot this year has been going that brown van dyne combo but i think with an elimination game you might have to start van dyne and then go to brown switch that up a little bit and on the side of Jefferson, they started LaGreco, then went Munslow. I think they try to get it done today and just 100% go Becca Munslow to end this one. Yeah, I think that definitely could be a possibility. I mean, it's similar to what we saw in baseball. You know, we talked about during the game last night that Hedgesville now had seen Dylan Stevens, you know, three times this year. So they were and, used to seeing him, and, and Musselman had seen Tanner yeah. Matthew three times. So, um, or I guess they had seen him twice, Stevens twice and Matthew three times. But either way, you know, you've seen this mm-hmm. pitching a good bit. In softball, it's even more so a factor because you really only use one or two pitchers. So, you know, Hedgesville and Jefferson have seen each other's pitching quite a bit now already this year. So, you know, it, it's tough to go out there. I think, though, give credit to both teams. Uh, it's unfortunate for Hedgesville. I think that they had that lead. They kind of had the game in control. I think in the back of your mind, you always knew this Jefferson team can strike and strike quickly, and they showed that last night and were able to come back and win it. So, you know, that's kind of deflating, I think, if you're Hedgesville. But playing at home, you know you can compete with this team now, I think, with the fact that you had a 5 nothing lead. So, you know, anything could happen here tonight, but it's going to be tough, especially, like you said, I think you try to throw a Munzler the whole game if she's able to have success because she came in and certainly, you know, slow down a pretty good Hedgesville offense. Yeah, and I think for Van Dyne, she only had to throw five pitches last night because she had to get out of that sixth inning. And I think if you switch things, you know, that's what I've noticed is that she'll be kind of the, the, the person that comes in for relief, I guess you would call it, not closer because unfortunately some of the times they're not in the lead. Uh, but I think that that could be a big factor if you switch your approaches tonight at, on the in the circle. Yeah, I mean, that's just our speculation, our opinion. Obviously, the coaches could see differently and trust their players more, and that that's their decision, and you like their decision no matter what. And yeah. even though maybe we question it if things don't work out, it's still the decision they make, and it's still the approach that they feel like will set them up best for success in the game. I'm still thinking that today will be a competitive game, and yesterday was a great game as well. The offensive's exploded and i expect the same thing today 
All right, well, that will do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Parks, or, yeah, Parsons Ford. Ken Parsons Ford in Martinsburg, they became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. Again, you can tune into the game tonight, 640 for the pregame, 7 p.m. for the first pitch on Talk Radio WR, R TV on YouTube. And that will do it for this segment. We'll be back in two minutes. We'll begin to wrap things up, talk a little NBA playoffs in the draft lottery, uh, plus MLB Baseball Nationals and Orioles. You're tuned in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WR and R TV 10. Over there talking to mine. With four new car dealerships and four used car dealerships in three states, Parsons is the largest used car and fastest growing new car dealer in the tri-state area. Take Parsons Ford with huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, financing from 0%, Parsons' goal of financing for all, and Parsons' famous above-market trade-in allowances that help make Parsons number one for used cars, too. See why so many won't buy anywhere but Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Parsons. The Palace Lounge in Martinsburg is the place to be. Join us every night to relax and enjoy football or basketball games featuring either the Martinsburg Bulldogs, Shepherd University Rams, or West Virginia Mountaineers. We will have steak night every Wednesday, trip nights every Thursday, and now taco and margarita nights every Tuesday. You can find us on Facebook or call 304-267-7520. The Palace Lounge is located at 1350 Edwin Miller Boulevard in Martinsburg. If you or someone you know suffers from the disease of addiction, help is available from the Berkeley County Quick Response Team with peer recovery coaches and support promptly to the homes of those who've recently experienced an overdose. This collective effort towards recovery brings resources and services to the community, including naloxone and treatment options. Call 304-267-1313 or visit the Berkeley County Recovery Resource Center at 800 Emmett Rouse Drive, Martinsburg. The Berkeley County Quick Response Team is funded through a DHHR grant with the Berkeley Morgan County Health Department. Do you have someone in a nursing home, or are you worried about somebody you love going into a nursing home? The law firm of Daniel Staggers can protect your assets. Call the law firm of Daniel Staggers today at 304-267-3915. The Daniel Staggers law firm does elder care law, estate planning, and special needs trusts for disabled children and family members. Visit the Daniel Staggers law firm for your initial free consultation at 133 East John Street in Martinsburg. The Daniel Staggers law firm, when you need asset protection for you or for a family member. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Brought to you by the Mayor East Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. Stop by 1270 Winchester Avenue. Call 304-263-4343. Spencer, Nick, and Colin, happy to have you with us for this last uh, 10 or so minutes here on this Wednesday edition of the Sports Mix. We'll start first with, uh, I guess, regional-wise, the uh, draft lottery before we get into playoffs. The Wizards, not shockingly at all, get the eighth pick. In the dra- in the upcoming NBA draft, Nick, they should rename the eighth pick the Washington Wizards selection because that is where <laughs> by they, default every year they pick either eighth or ninth. It seems like every year, and the reason for that is because they're not horrible, bad enough to be picking in the top four of the draft, but they're also not uh, good enough to make the postseason. 
So they're the eighth pick in the draft. They're the ninth pick. And, it, you know, it's disappointing because, I mean, we obviously the, the hype around Wemby is that he's going to be uh, the greatest prospect in sports since LeBron James. Wow. That's what uh, yeah. Woj is saying. I mean, he's not just saying the greatest basketball prospect. We've heard that a few times, Zion. So I don't know if this is just to hype up the draft for ESPN. I think it is. I think it partially is. But, I mean, you look at him, and he is you know 7'2 to 7'5. Nobody's really sure exactly how tall he is, but uh, he can do a lot of different things on the floor. Um, but he's very skinny, so that's a concern. People are concerned that he'll be injury-prone. we already seen Chad Holmgren. Uh, you know, miss the majority or the entirety of his uh, rookie season due to injury, and he had a similar build. Um, but Wemby's obviously got more hype toward him. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to be a good player, obviously. I don't know if the hype is necessary. I think the hype's a little bit of a stretch. But he'll uh, go to the San Antonio Spurs. Yes, they, the win, they win the lottery. Wizards get the eighth pick. I don't know who they'll get at eight, but probably won't be anybody that turns into anything too great so tavion kinsey um no (laughs) maybe in the g league undrafted product yeah all right let's switch over talk some playoffs um i'm shocked at the score because dylan told us on the way back last night from the game what the score was at halftime it was an 18 point lead at halftime and then the nuggets only won 132 126 they only won by six yeah, the Lakers in the second half came out on fire shooting 66%, I believe, in the second half compared to 44% is what I heard in the first half. So when you're making two-thirds of your shots, you're going to come back no matter who you are. It was a great game, and in that first half, everybody is thinking, man, Denver's going to dominate this series, and maybe it's not going to go as long as we think it will. But then in that fourth quarter, in that second half, the Lakers – tried to come back i think pulled within three at one point and now denver gets the win at home but you think yeah this series still probably goes seven and it's still a 50 50 on who comes out of the west it was a great game lebron tried uh davis tried but ultimately it was a triple double for the joker that was the difference yeah, i mean he had a double double plus at halftime i think he yeah. was three away from a triple double at halftime my more shocking thing was is dylan told us that score that was around, what, like 10 o'clock, I think he told us that score. Yeah. And then by the time we got back here, did what we needed to do here, went home, I checked the score again, and I was, my jaw dropped. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? Was Dylan being serious? And I looked back at the box score, and I was like, oh, he was being serious. It was an 18-point game at halftime. And I was just kind of more surprised at the big comeback. The real MVP showed up, Nicole Jokic, Whoa. 34 points, 21 rebounds, <laughs> and 14 assists. No, I know why you're saying this, and you're wanting to fight right now. I mean, look, Jokic is a beast. Well, Put here, him in a Game 7 and see what he does. Here, how about we see He doesn't see need what, to go to Game 7 because his team's better, and he's the real MVP. We'll wait for that. We'll maybe we'll see it. That. Nuggets in five. All right. Nuggets okay. in six. Nuggets in six? Yeah. Tonight uh, is... David Wood? Yeah. Agrees with you. Yeah. Does he agree? We're or waiting do you for him agree in the with comments. David Wood? I'm agreeing with David Wood because he said it first. Yeah. Yeah. He said it before me. Um, tonight, the East final start game one eight thirty TNT. I know Colin will be have his eyes glued to that once the softball broadcast yeah, is over. Once the softball broadcast. Uh, the he might somehow have his eyes glued to it and his eyes glued. I don't to the think softball. he can now do this both. This is regional championship. Yeah. Gotta have one eye on, on no nope, basketball nope, nope. from TD Garden. 
You can't call softball with one eye, Colin? No. Wow. I can't. I mean, I probably could, but I don't want to. I, I said Sounds after painful. the game was over. I was agreeing with you. I was disagreeing seven. with you. He'll get deceived by halftime, probably. We'll see. Second half, most likely. Seven. Heat and seven? No. Um, Boston and Boston favored by eight tonight. What's your take on this Boston series? Boston should win this series man. in five. Boston should, but here, here's what I wanted to see. Will that? What you, hear me out here. I'm hearing you. It, We're we hearing talked you. about this against Philly. Now it's Boston against Miami. It should be, when you look at the rosters, Boston's clearly the more talented team. But I want to put the argument out there that this will actually be the toughest series for Boston because you look at the coaching. You've said it the entire playoffs. Spolster's the best coach left. Exactly. By far. By far. And arguably the best coach in the NBA, probably. So that going up against, even though obviously I love Missoula, I'm biased though because he's the Mountaineer. It's his first year as a head coach in the NBA. He wasn't so expected to be in this position. D- does coaching trump and does it still go seven? And even though I still am obviously going to take Boston, I think it might be a more competitive series because it will come down to coaching. So, and that worries me that maybe Miami can pull this off. So I think coaching matters when it comes to getting the most out of a somewhat, you know, a decent roster like the Heat, not a great roster like the Celtics. But at the end of the day, talent matters too, right? And for a team, like I think about some of these coaches that got fired, like Phoenix, for example. You know, they fire Monty Williams, and I mean, what really was Monty Williams supposed to do with the roster he had left? Yeah. He had two guys that could put the ball in the basket at the end of the day. Chris Paul was hurt, DeAndre Aiden was hurt, and he gets fired for that? I mean, it's because supposedly Devin Booker and and Kevin Durant wanted him gone. So it's like Coaching matters, but coaching can also only do so much with the talent that they yeah. have. The Heat have already peaked. I think the Celtics should win this series. They're the better team. They have the better players. But if the games are close, that's when coaching and their adjustments can make a difference in the NBA. But ultimately, the Celtics have the better team. They should win this series, whether it goes five games, six games, seven games. Four games. You should see the Boston Celtics winning four of the games at the end of the day. Any other takes before we yep. hit baseball? All right, the Nats were in action last night. They fell to the uh, – they got walked off by the Marlins 5-4 on Solars. Solars two-run walk-off home run. Uh, they're in action tonight, 640 again. Unfortunately, probably won't get to it on the radio. Uh, but we'll have tomorrow's game on getaway day. The O's beat the Angels 7-3 last night without uh, Mountcastle. Mount he was out of the lineup. I think he ended up going into the lineup. Yeah, he, he came in because yesterday was the day of the Ryans because Ryan Mountcastle and Ryan O'Hearn both He wasn't had in the starting runs. lineup, excuse me. But yeah, both both Ryans had home runs, so he eventually came in. He had that it, – it wasn't as impressive as Otani's, but it was still a no-doubter. I think it was almost 440, maybe 435. But yeah, the O's got the win, and uh, now they go to win the series, hopefully. Yeah, 630. How did you forget about Ryan McKenna? He had a hit, too. I was talking home runs. <laughs> yeah, but Ryan, the Baltimore Ryans got the win. We need to bring back BJ Ryan. Who? Or am I mixing <laughs> names now? <laughs> I might be mixing <laughs> names. I, I probably am mixing names from the two. Nolan 2000s. Ryan. No. <laughs> 
Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Gosling. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. Thanks to Chauncey Wimbush, Vice President for Athletics and Shepard, for coming on talking about their fundraising efforts, trying to put a video scoreboard, a video board at Ram Stadium. Uh, You can go on to SU. Uh, athleticclub.org for more information on that. If you want to go listen back to the interview, it'll be on YouTube later on today as well as our podcast tonight. The Region 2 Game uh, 2 is 6.40 for the pregame, 7 p.m. for the first pitch. That'll do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. For Colin Nick, I'm Spencer saying so long. We'll talk to you tonight and tomorrow. Support our local community and bring you the latest local news, local weather, and local sports. Talk Radio, WRNR Martinsburg, Hedgesville, Falling Waters.